0: This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. I'm Nico, I'm joined by my co-host Sam and today we're discussing Do You Talk Funny? which is a book which talks about stand-up comedy and how we can apply humor to any type of talks. Sam, you want to give us a short uh, summary of the book?
0: Yeah, sure. So David Nihil is now a stand-up comedian and well-known TED speaker and he teaches businesses how to just become funnier so people engage in their products and Um, their talks and he talks about how he used to be really nervous and basically his journey into stand-up comedy over like a year of just trying things from being like a super nervous guy to someone really confident and winning storytelling and awards and, and Ted speeches and things and he just breaks down really simple rules that you can use to just make your speeches more funny and basics of just simple humor, like how to get to the funny part, how to find it and how to just get started in up, really. Cause it seems like something that would be really difficult for anyone to do as in you think about yourself, like sure. You can say the odd joke perhaps, or maybe you, you don't feel that funny, but you don't see how you could ever be a stand up comedian. And then you read this book, you're like, Oh, anyone could be a stand up comedian. It's, it's really simple. And <laughs> it basically just goes through all the different techniques that you just need to know and how to practice them and how to get there. And it's quite insightful. You're like, wow, I can totally just go and do this now. So mm. if you ever wanted to become funnier, just read this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then We just will continue to break down this book in a very unfunny manner and <laughs> no one will laugh the entire time. But that's fine.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, for me, it, it I've never seen myself as a, as a funny person. And if you told me that I had the potential to become a sound-up comedian, I would have laughed in your face because that would have seemed like a very good joke. But after reading this book, it seems like something very achievable. And so the, the, the point of the book is not necessarily turning any, everyone into a stand-up comedian, but it's more, it's using the tricks that stand-up comedians use in talking, in public speaking, to make whatever you're saying in any kind of business-related talk or other talk uh, funnier. Mm-hmm. And humor is something that I think a, a very large majority of talks could use. Because, and that's a good point that he made today people are so of such a short attention span that if you're not entertaining people while giving them information, the information has a very low chance of sticking. Mm. And I think a good example of that is, 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 you know, people just taking out their phones when th- the moment something becomes in the slightest way boring. And so if you want to convey a message, you're going to have to entertain the people uh, that are listening in order to, uh, for them to, to continue listening to what you're saying.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, Uh, This book doesn't turn you into being like a really funny person just all the time. It's about how you can add humor to your speeches and things that you think about. And like, how can you reconstruct the message you're delivering to make it funnier? It's not how to instantly be funny always. And it's stuff that you practice and lines that you know you're going to be saying and like how to like break down and find the stories that people will engage with that you tell. But it, it, it does also help for like practicing with your mates so you can tell better stories just in the bar and things and. So it still helps mm-hmm. your life, but it won't just make you instantly make a joke out of anything that's happening. But as in, you do, as you practice these things, you do become better. So if you do then take on this advice and start like doing stand up and things and, and trying to allow time on your set to just do some improv stuff, you slowly get better at these things. It It, all, it is just all practice, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 three, the three biggest rules of getting better at public speaking are stage time, stage time and stage time. So yeah, that that's again, you know, reinforcing the fact that if you want to become good at something, you just need to do it, and yeah. it's it's a re it's a recurring subject, mm. and it gets just it just it gets confirmed in everything I, I, I learn and and see and read.
0: Yeah, so as in, there are some kids who you know were funny when they were at school, and they sort of spent a lot of their time getting stage time from the teacher and things, and then like getting involved in sort of public speaking and they sort of end up in stand up comedy seemingly just instantly, but like they were working on it the whole time. You just didn't realize and like everyone, anyone else just has to work on it and like spend time being not that funny and just doing Mm -hmm. things, finding their stage time essentially.
1: Yeah. And the author, he agrees that some people are naturally funny. And so people that are naturally funny, they have an easier time becoming well-known and rising to the top of the ranks of the, the, in the standup comedy world. But the point of the book is not making everyone that reads it stand up comedian. If your goal is just to become a bit funnier in everything that you do and every message you convey in every story you tell, then this is a really good book. And so for me, I think that the, it all starts with stories and making yourself relatable to the audience. And so the, the main takeaway that I got from that is that I'm, I'm now consciously thinking, okay, how can I add a small personal story to whatever it is I'm saying to first connect with the audience and second i mean it's it's stories that make us laugh it's mm. it's like if you think about a joke, it's usually a story, and so yeah it's I think it's a useful thing to keep in mind yeah definitely it gives
0: like the example of communicating with people he was running this technology company and he talks about um well, there's quite a few different concepts, but he talks about his his dad's been getting into technology and he's managed to start using email and but he's still Right, yeah. if you finally like, sat down with something like this really long great email but it was just all entirely in the subject header kind of thing <laughs> and you're just like oh that's kind of nice <laughs> it's sort of unrelated but it just talks about technology and shows mm-hmm. some of his problems kind of thing and
1: yeah there are a lot of stories that could be linked to to jokes and, and certain subjects in the business world as well
0: mm. yeah so you kind of one of the um, exercises you get to to is just sort of think of like just to make like a a jokes file of just anything that's kind of just amusing and a bit silly that happens in your life like Little things like that. You can just sort of write, and then just kind of tag of like, oh, this is to do with technology or like new people doing something, and then you'll find that there's so many things that just kind of happen that you can kind of start relating to different speeches that you might be giving and you sort of work them in there. Which mm-hmm. is it's not actually a hard thing to do. Like anyone can start doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I find that that really interesting. And now I have a I've next week. I'm going to have a short presentation and already, I've already decided I'm going to put some small personal anecdote in there to, yeah. to push, to bring forth my Do message. Do you know what the
0: anecdote is or just decide? Yeah, yeah it is. One.
1: Well, I mean, I'm talking about my company, which is a payment company. And yeah. so one of the things we're doing is we're trying to make it so that merchants can accept payments without needing a payment terminal.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, the payment terminal where you put your card in, it's quite expensive for merchants. And so my story is going to be about me going to the hairdresser After I moved to Brussels, I go to a hairdresser, I get a nice haircut, and then I ask, okay, uh, where can I put my card and how can I pay? And they tell me, uh, we only do cash.
0: Mm.
1: And it's an experience that in Belgium happens quite often. It's really annoying because at that point, you're there, you have your wallet, you're ready, and then you have to go out, find an ATM, get cash, come back, pay, and then you're on your way. And it's such a waste of time. And so in that way, that's the story I'm going to link to the the point I'm trying to make. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's that. So yeah, anyway, it's 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 gonna change the way I'm gonna present what we're doing at our company. So it, that's in, in that way, it also has a has a has had an impact already. And I think one of the second major takeaways is be able like don't take yourself too serious. Mm. And I think that's a mistake I, I quite often make, you know. And that brings us back to the elephant in the brain. you wanna appear like a very good ally the whole time, and you're so you're constantly virtue signaling how smart you are, how good you are how many people you know how many places you've been etc and i think um doing that too much makes you less likable because you're like taking yourself too serious yeah and and that's something i'm I'm, I'm, i try to actively keep in the back of my head is it's okay to joke with yourself and to talk about your shortcomings etc
0: yeah i'm trying to think of the example but he he talks about like this one guy he should have starts his speech to like all his accomplishments and his amazing businesses. And then he kind of like cuts everyone off and he tries to tell some jokes afterwards and the people like can't relate to him. And yeah, sort
1: of, I think it's, it's, he made a video yeah, yeah. where and he, 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 everything like he, he shows everything that he's done, all his achievements. And it's, it's like he put, it puts himself up on a pedestal, which makes him instantly unrelatable and actually unlikable for the audience. Mm.
0: But then he he changes it. into so he say afterwards, he says, well, you can tell that my mum made this. And then it kind of just like brings him back down to earth. And you're like, Oh, well, oh, that is perfect.
1: The guy has a mother, and the mother likes everything he does, and it suddenly makes him more relatable, and the whole whole the whole talk afterwards goes way better.
0: Yeah, definitely, because we we do kind of feel this urge for like to show off our ego and like our skills mm-hmm. with the whole backpack virtue signaling thing, and then it's not always perfectly brilliant to do that. Yeah, there's just a lot of insights of generally how to follow things. I think one of the big ones, which everyone kind of knows, is the rule of three, as in trying to keep things in threes, but it just really sort of drives it home that humans, whether it's even a joke or not, like it's just very useful to explain things in sets of threes. So you kind of, you set things up, so you kind of give an example, you give a second example. And if it's a joke, the third example is a really funny, different one that changes the behavior. But even if it's just information, it's useful to have them in three because it just, you remember things in threes more easily and it feels like, okay, we've covered the subject. There's three things. It's definitely a whole thing. For you to then go on to the next thing. So it's just useful for anything that you do in terms of mm-hmm. helping people remember what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so so, you could
1: probably use that for your own memory as well. Yeah. If you're trying to remember stuff like buried in threes or something.
0: So that's just something like just when you go through your speech or how you've written things, just check that your stories work in threes and there's three mm-hmm. things in there. And um, it's also related to the threes is having like a bit of a funnel so in your joke of threes like the first line will be a very relatable wide thing so you you might say like you know everyone goes to the supermarket and has problems like finding things then like your second line will be like your specific problem like oh I was trying to find pickles or something because like maybe not everyone finds pickles but it's something that's your specific problem but like everyone kind of feels that they relate to you and the third line will be the actual like joke not that I know a joke now for this one but as in, you sort of you start really wide, then you go down, and then you and you say like the actual bit that people need to know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, which mm-hmm. again, it's just like it's just a bit of a formula to follow with how you tell jokes or like any story, just to get people to listen to it. Which I've just found very useful in my writing to get people a bit more bought into it, and and then yeah, just keep it short. Uh, this is the, the other the hugest point: is people when they're telling jokes or stories. They'll just add in so much extra fluff and oh it's like the worst when like I used to be speaking to my nan and sort of she just wanted to tell me the story of like how many people like bought her in spies, but you know, she has to tell me about the time she had a cup of tea and then her Aunt Jan that came over and like where she had issues finding sugar. And I'm just like, I just don't care. I just like <laughs> oh my god, Nan. Just what 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 is the point of this story? I don't even know why I'm listening. And mm-hmm. like just when you think of like what your punchline is first, or like what is the take home from the story, start with that and work out the minimum amount of information required to make that bit make sense. And that's all you say, like the absolute minimum, because people get bored whilst listening until they hear that the good bit, but they just need to know the minimum amount of things to be able to understand the good bit. And that's all you keep in. And you can make your talk so much shorter when you just go through with like a really harsh eye of like actually what is really needed here.
1: Yeah. He gives some examples of jokes where a person tells a joke which takes about three minutes and mm. then he goes through it, cuts out all the parts that are not necessary and it, the joke gets put down to like one minute or something. So like, you, you'd be surprised at how much you, you don't need to tell about a certain story to still make it funny or relevant.
0: Yeah. And it, it ends up a lot funnier because <laughs> it sort of gets to the point quickly and people sort of enjoy the whole process and then switch off.
1: People have increasingly shorter attention spans. So the shorter you can make your message, the better... Apparently, the, the organizers of TED and TEDx have noticed that as well, and they've actually reduced the time slots that speakers have to talk mm. because people, uh, yeah, I mean, they can't stay focused for 20 minutes anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. As in, people do prefer to click on like a 10, 12 minute video than they do a 20 minute video. It's mm. a bit more of a commitment. I One
1: thing I, I missed in the book was a little more explanation on what is considered funny and why that is.
0: yeah because I mean they go into that a bit in Elephant in the Brain He didn't go deeper into it and another thing that he skips over is he he talks about the memory palace to remember your speeches and he he literally like in two pages he tells you how to build a memory palace and to like instantly remember everything ever you're like yeah that that, I mean I've forgotten what he even wrote about it kind of thing as in he doesn't really help you with that so a few things he does skip over a little bit and it would have been nice for him to go a bit deeper into like why things are funny and he mentions like do accents if you have an accent but he doesn't sort of go deep into yeah science of all this stuff which would be mm-hmm. appreciated as, as you know brings science stuff but perhaps it's not yeah i think it is needed actually <laughs> it would have been really useful because it's a book about how to make it yeah. funny it doesn't tell you exactly what's funny
1: i mean the, the book is more of a, a manual mm. like a practice like you know, do this. And, and then you can, with a certain goal in mind, and it's a different book than, for example, the elephant in the brain that just explains some concepts and then allows your mind to go, to go see where this is applicable. So I think uh, the, the point of the book is slightly different, but I, I did, I would have appreciated to understand better what, because he says, tell a story and see what points are funny. But if he would give a hint as to what is usually funny or what types of things are usually funny, it would make it easier yeah. uh, for for me to, to think about my stories and say, okay, these parts are probably funny or if I t- change this a bit, it might become funny and whatever, these things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does allude a little bit to some things. Talks about the f- importance of making like a structure of like this, then this, and then like, as in like one, two, four, rather than one, two, three, as in like the third bit will be, challenge what you're expecting and sort of to create tension and then sort of relieve it mm-hmm. with something that sort of is not what you're expecting. But he doesn't go too much further than that of like why some things can be funny or not. But he does also say that it's very hard to know as in, as a comedian that you just need to spend time writing lots of jokes with the expectation that lots won't be that funny. And certainly just like myself, I've been doing stand standup comedy course for the past six weeks and I write things that seem about as funny and some stuff people laugh a lot and some people just look at me blankly. And I'm like, it's it's really useful to watch the videos back and just be like, wow, this has got lots of ass. This has none. And, but if, even, even in my head, I still felt like the bit that I thought was funny was funnier just because if I still was like, Oh, maybe I didn't say it right or something. But then just watching everyone's like, yeah, no, that apparently that just wasn't funny. <laughs> and uh, it's just like stuff in your head just makes more sense. And also mm-hmm. just like the way I structured it a bit, like I kind of went off on some tangents, but it kind of made sense the way I was relating to, like I tell a joke, it's kind of stupid and call it a shit joke. and then But then I make like a shit joke, as in like a joke about like being on the toilet, a shit joke. And sort of, but it kind of goes off on random tangents, but it sort of made sense in my head. But then like it actually just rewatching it, it just sort of comes across a bit strange. So instead I just have like a shit joke section where I just tell all my shit jokes at once. <laughs> and then I kind of tell out the jokes and the ones that are like really punny and stupid are, a different type of shit Mm -hmm. joke but it's not me talking about the toilet and it kind of comes across much easier to understand and you're like it's just easier to watch people reacting than it is to kind of be in your own brain because you make sense of why it's funny yourself and the stuff that's just a bit harder for people to get or just doesn't interest them so much and you kind of have to allow for that by just seeing Mm -hmm. but yeah it's, it's a hard one and (laughs) <laughs> you'd think that maybe someone that spent a lot of time being funny would have had some more useful advice because he hasn't really come up with anything that I couldn't have said myself about what makes something funny, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the end, something that's funny, there's like the, one part is the joke, but the second part is how you tell the joke. Mm. And that is something hard, like it's difficult yeah. to quantify how, or qualify how you tell the joke.
0: This is one thing we've been going into on the course actually, which he hasn't, which he didn't mention at all but like your persona, because you can watch so many different comedians and they're completely different and and some won't even even tell a joke and like the whole joke of their act is that they're not telling jokes and but somehow it really works but like 99% of people couldn't do that and others can get away with different things and some people can come up and just appear like psychotic, some people can appear as losers, some can just be really deadpan and like, it's part of like their personality and how it works for them mm-hmm. and so it, we kind of, you do have to really develop a persona on stage and like introduce yourself as like relatable and you have to kind of instantly set yourself, let the audience know who you are so they can understand you. Cause they spend the whole time not working out who you are. They can't really make sense of your jokes or where you're going with them. But if like your first joke kind of explains who you are and sets the tone, they can kind of put you in the box that they need to know of how you work. And then like everything makes sense from there. And so also just like what you wear on stage is also part of that and what you come mm-hmm. across as. Which is quite useful, and he doesn't mention that too much. When it comes to wearing things, he just says, like, wear black so you don't sweat too much and, and you don't think about it.
1: Well, you'll, you'll sweat the same amount, but you won't see yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah. He doesn't really yeah. mention about like how it really makes you come across as such. Um, no. Anyway, <laughs> besides hating on him, he has got some other good tips that we haven't mentioned. One really useful thing that people mess up a lot is the punchline part is to keep the funny word until the very end and it's just a very it can be very confusing when you're writing things as in just the way sentences come out naturally structured you have to kind of sometimes do a bit of like a yoda style sentence just to make sure that the word comes out at the end because otherwise you say it but then you're still saying things to explain the fullness of it and like the people are kind of half laughing at your punchline but they're still kind of listening and it kind of it just makes the whole thing fall flat if you just sort of save it until the very light end and then it kind of just gives people the space to kind of laugh and and get it properly. So that's just really essential. And it does mean you have to really work, rework like your sentence structure and make sure that it's there. And this is why you can't, it's very hard to just stand up and spontaneously tell jokes because you do have to really think about it because you might naturally think of something that's kind of funny, but you won't necessarily say it properly. And there's so much in the delivery and how it's said that makes it the kind of the goldenest level of funny as opposed to just like, It's a kind of mildly humorous thing, I guess, when you think about it. So Mm -hmm. that was like a really huge tip.
1: Yeah. One other takeaway is that keep your best joke for last because people will remember the last thing you said. And if you make them laugh right at the end, that's probably the most important. You can screw up the beginning if your end is really strong. And so one one practical takeaway I get from that is in business contexts, if you do a presentation, there's usually some time reserved for questions and answers. And quite often when I'm presenting my final slide or whatever is about okay, are there any questions? And then quite often there's like an awkward silence because no one has any questions or doesn't want to ask a question. And then it's like, oh, okay, thank you.
0: Well they asked a question because they didn't get something and it just sort of is a bit awkward. and like, well this is pretty obvious. I mean I'm gonna... <laughs> and but yeah, yeah, if you essentially if you just allow some time for questions near the end and then say, Cool, now I've got some time for questions and then I'll have like a final conclusion slide. You can give time for questions and then you can still finish on like the bang that you've like prepared and that can be really good or you can just mm-hmm. not have any questions at all if you're just doing like a shorter set or something and that way you know that you leave on like your best moment, and like there's clapping and everyone's really happy as opposed to just mm-hmm. like some awkwardness because you should really prepare the final moments But related to this he does say that although the start can be a bit odd the start is the second most important part because people remember the, they remember the start and the end And the start sets up the rest of it. So Mm -hmm. your second best joke should be at the start. And you should really, really, really rehearse the first 30 seconds. So like how you introduce yourself and what you first like come on as should just be like absolutely nailed. So people just sort of perfectly get you, um, which is a really useful tip, I think, um, to get along with things.
1: Yeah. One of the useful takeaway I got is uh, calling the room Mm -hmm. quite often. Like one of the worst, worst things for a stand-up a comedian is uh, heckling, which is someone in the audience screaming stuff, you know, being drunk, trying to take you down or scream that something ain't funny. Uh, and so one of the points the author makes is that you should always like when something is, is obvious, when something becomes an elephant in the room, you should yeah. always call it immediately because otherwise things become awkward. So it's, it's also useful when something awkward happens to immediately call it, to not make it awkward. And so I think a useful trick or a yeah. useful skill is to be able to make jokes about something awkward that happens, which immediately diffuses the tension. So it's probably pretty hard to do, but I think it makes sense to to try and practice. So you can turn all your awkward moments in, in some smiles, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, there is always the problem that you make it more awkward by drawing attention to it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not <laughs> diffusing it. But it's mm-hmm. practice, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And he does talk about like a few funny ones that, people have given i think yeah like the one so one comedian sort of says like oh can we just get some like crayons in the menu mm-hmm. for this guy to color in please so like <laughs> just if you can't be asked to actually sort of <laughs> respond to them but just sort of shoot them down a bit and there's kind of ways you can do it oh, you know my first one like my first gig can be like oh, i be easy, it's my first time guys it's a bit of a virgin or something and it's not like that hard to kind of just be a bit humble about the whole thing or if people don't like a jog, you're like, oh, so you didn't like that? Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, my dog really liked it. Oh, I didn't guess so it well. But <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I've got another one. <laughs> sort of, you can kind of address what just happened mm. and be kind of funny about it quite easily. It's not, it's true. It's not such a worry. Yeah, I don't know, we can kind of just list like every different tip he goes through. I guess gets a bit like mm. OTT. I think probably my favorite other tip is just sort of the way you describe things is to... Uh, imagine that your audience is blind and just sort of describe exactly what it is. So you know that they have the picture in their head because otherwise people have completely different things going on in their head. And if you're trying to make a joke about something, but people have different things going on to what you're thinking, it's just quite hard. And the same as in any other speech, if people don't get what it is you're talking about, it's just so much easier when you describe it very accurately and talk about the different parts in it that they'll be able to relate to. It just gets people to understand what you're talking about so that I just as a bit of an exercise thinking that people are blind just makes it a lot more obvious to do it properly Have you got any other no I think I've
1: covered the main ones for me
0: okay cool because yeah that's very good nice let's give our All general
1: right. feedback uh, a little score on 10 go ahead
0: yeah I find it' really really useful I'd say like a nine just because it's really affected the way I'm writing and motivated me to do stand-up. if i if i wasn't doing my stand-up comedy course i think i'd already be motivated to do some from reading this without mm-hmm. paying half as much money for it <laughs> and yeah it's, it's really good i i like that it's got a bit of a story behind it there could have been a bit more story and there could have been a bit more explanation on things but also it is a book that is a tool kit you know it gives you exercises to do and the fact that he's kept it short is actually nice. So maybe I'd be complaining if it was longer. Like he does say, like in your speeches, it's better to have it shorter than the allotted time. Like you should never run over. Like people never complain. Well, you never complain about your audience complaining that it's too short. If they want more, that's a good thing. Like if they complain because it's too long and they get bored, that's the problem. So it's fine to have things that are too short. And he's right. Like yeah, I want more, but I really enjoyed what I got and it's it's a useful point Mm -hmm. so overall yeah
1: so for me i think i was very glad that i had read it and i think it's very useful for everyone who needs to talk well to do public talks but i think in general whenever you're telling a story it's also relevant to have read this book because you know to focus on some things and if you tell a joke which everyone does once in a while you need to focus on keeping the funny part at the end however i think there are more useful books in my opinion and i i, I kind of missed more insights in what we talked about earlier in why things are funny and a bit more about how brains work and why we perceive things as funny and yeah these kind of things i, w- I would have liked so uh for me i'm going to give it a 6 yeah it's a uh, that's well, a good book also i was the big, biggest fan of 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 the way he read it so the author reads the book and he has an Irish Jackson, which is fine, but he kind of made a lot of jokes, but I was laughing while he was reading them.
0: Yeah, I I don't actually find him that funny for for a funny person. Like I've watched some of his speeches and I they think i brilliant. And like his writing, because I read the book rather than listen to it. And some of it is quite funny. He you know, he just kind of adds in like little nice things. So he like just the way he explains getting into stand up, he says For David, the idea of stand-up Comedy in front of an audience was scarier than cliff jumping, into a thorny pit of spiders and mothers-in-law, without a parachute or advanced weaponry. Something had to change, and sort of, it's just describing that it was scary, but he kind of makes it a bit funny. But he often relies on the same jokes, so he kind of talks about scary mothers-in-law like ten different times. He kind of to make the point about something in different scenarios, and you're like, okay, I've got that. You know that you can make something a bit more mm-hmm. like funny if you say mothers-in-law, but actually, it's no longer funny anymore like, <laughs> it just got, got a bit annoying um, mm-hmm. so I didn't think mm-hmm. he was actually the funniest person ever <laughs> yeah. which is sort of ironic although perhaps it makes the point that he was really not funny beforehand but he's managed to get like really quite far in life by being above average funny and that anyone can do quite well
1: alright I think that wraps things up mm. so for uh, next episode we're going to be discussing Fooled by Randomness but written by Nassim Taleb um, which is going to be a completely different book. Uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. See you then. Thanks.